Good morning, church. Like Philip said, my name is Ian. I get to serve as one of the elders here, and I've been around since close to the very beginning of the church, and so this is extra special and exciting to me. When I walked in here and saw the building in its almost finished state like it is now, I couldn't help but feel a little bit emotional uh, just of where we've been and where we're here, and so I hope to share some of that with you today, uh, this morning. Like Philip said, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to talk about a little bit about the history of our church and where we've been, and I'll hand it off to him to share some more about uh, how we got to this space particular and what we are going to do looking forward. A little bit of past, present, and future for you this morning. And uh, I, I really want to focus on how we started as two separate church bodies in two separate meeting locations, and now we're one church in one remodeled building and how we got to there. So it's only appropriate to begin in God's word. And so I'd like for us to turn there in Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We won't have it on the screens, of course, so I'll give you a minute to turn there, get to your app or whatever you need to do. I'll go ahead and read it for us now. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, him being Jesus, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell amongst the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Most of you are aware of this, but uh, our church, True North Church, is a church plant. Around 2009, a bunch of churches in the lower 48 got together, they got some money together, and with a lot of prayer, they sent a pastor to plant a church in a city thousands of miles away in Anchorage, Alaska. What you might be less familiar with is this story, the story of the Good Samaritan, was part of the initial vision for this church. This story, the Good Samaritan story, it transcends Christian church culture a little bit. There's probably millions of people in the Western world who know what a Good Samaritan is. They could define that term, but they wouldn't be able to tell you exactly where it comes from. It's not unusual to read in the news about a Good Samaritan who saved somebody who was injured or hurt or lost and needed rescuing. When Christians read that story, the most obvious takeaway for us is, though we're tempted to only love people who are close to us, 
God calls us to love those who are even far away. We hear Jesus' words and we think, hey, I should be more like the Good Samaritan. And I think that's a good and right way to read those verses. But when we look at the story a little more deeply, we can also see the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see that one was hopeless, that one was beaten and left half dead until they were rescued. Rescued from death into life. Rescued as an act of pure love. Not a bargain, not an exchange of goods, not something that they had to offer, but just as an act of pure love. And so church, when we read about this man left half dead and in need of rescuing, we should see ourselves. We should be reminded that we were hopeless. We should be reminded that God stepped in even when we didn't deserve deserve it and pulled us out of the wrecks that we've made of our own lives. We should be a people forever changed by that fact. A people who are rescued by God. A people who now know that our lives are not our own. And we come together to share that message to a broken world and to a broken city. The message we proclaim to this world and this city is this, that you too can be rescued. You too can be brought from death to life, that you can bring all your mess, all your failures and disappointments, and you can place them at the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's the message that True North Church was founded on. You see, when you're a church plant and you first start, there's not much else you can focus on. There's no church history. There's no constitution. There are exactly zero committees. Can I get an amen on that? There aren't any buildings to maintain, and there's not a lot of money either. A church plant finds themselves totally dependent on the gospel because that's all they have. And that's the foundation of the church that we are today. It wasn't about looking good, wearing our Sunday best. It wasn't about having the best programs or the best speakers or the best music. And it wasn't about a building. And it's a good thing it wasn't about a building because we sure as heck didn't have one. We started worshiping in the Lusak Library. And it's a cute little theater in there. It was perfect for a church plant. But we had this problem. You see, we like to have babies. Like a lot of babies at Trinor Church. And pretty soon we were outgrowing that space. My wife and I, we were serving in the two-year-olds class, which was a coat closet, literally a coat closet. And the only thing we could do to make it look like not a coat closet was we put a little baby gate at the door and those little colorful foam puzzle pieces on the floor. It didn't do a very good job of disguising it when there's seven two-year-olds and two adults in a six-foot by eight-foot space. It's a coat closet. The other kids' classrooms were just partitions. Some of you might remember those old black sliding partitions. And the problem with those is they start about 18 inches off the ground And so you had to keep a real watchful eye because every once in a while a kid would try to escape underneath. And that may have happened once or twice. So eventually we moved over to Clark Middle School. Clark Middle School had a lot more space for our kids, big, beautiful, multi-purpose room for us to worship in, but it still required a ton of setup and teardown. You see, in each location that we met, we've had faithful volunteers and staff who have towed two trailers to each location. One full of all of our sound equipment for a complete sound setup, and the other for all of our kids' gear for all of our kids' classrooms, curriculum and toys and TV screens. 
And each week, we have had volunteers, rain or shine, dark, cold, below zero, windy, pitch black, and there'd be volunteers at 6.30 a.m. hitching up a trailer, getting ready to tow to our location, unload, unloading these goofy wooden carts that we had with these little caster wheels that were not designed for snow. And here's the thing that we'd remind ourselves as we're setting up and tearing down every single Sunday. It's something that countless of the Lord's servants have reminded themselves as they've endured much worse than cold and weather and broken carts. We'd remind ourselves that we do this, we do this in the service of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we knew maybe the sound system would amplify words that would change somebody's life. These kids' carts, they'd facilitate these kids hearing the gospel. Some of them would click for the first time, just maybe this Sunday, just to be the chance to be a part of what God is doing, to have that opportunity. That'll get you any, anything through any sort of discomfort or trouble or cold or stupid carts. So take a minute to look around. I mean, really look around at this church. Look at these painted walls and the beautiful lights. Feel the comfy chairs beneath you. This building is meant to serve that very same gospel. Because none of the work we do here, none of it, means anything without the gospel. We sit here at this new chapter of our church, of two churches into one, and we can't afford to forget that fact. That in a hundred years from now, all of us will be gone. These light fixtures will need changing. This paint will be repainted and that paint will be faded. The chairs you're sitting on, they'll be at the Anchorage landfill. And there's only one thing that will last eternal. There's only one thing we can do in this building that will last forever. We can together labor to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's the prayer that your elders have for you and for us as we move into this new chapter together that the new paint and the nice chairs, that it would all fade in the background as we do the work of the Lord's church to preach and share and live the gospel together in this place. So I want to close uh, my time here with the words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Philippians. And Paul says this, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So today, church, let this be, this be a day that we resolve as a church to press on together, in this place, towards the only prize that will last forever, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So now I'm gonna invite Philip to come up and he's gonna walk us through from Clark Middle School, how we got to here and where, we're, where we are going looking forward. Thanks Ian. So when my wife and I arrived in Alaska in 2019, uh, we got here in January because we're crazy, uh, and that's, you know, when the church wanted us, so we didn't know any better. We said okay, and my wife flew, and I drove, 
and so when we got here, the reality is that Ian is talking to you guys about of having to push hundreds of pounds of gear in and out of Clark Middle School. More than one Sunday, finding out that a piece of equipment had just shattered in the cold during the week, that we'd bring it inside, a cable wouldn't work, a TV was no longer functioning, and just having to roll with the punches. I know you're probably thinking, is this all we're going to hear about today? No, we're not planning on talking about it a lot more after today, but it was hard. So today feels like the right time to just commiserate a little bit with each other, those of us who were here. Almost right away, when my wife and I arrived, we heard from church members who had been here for six or eight years that permanence in this community was going to be really important for them. As their families, Ian talked about those babies back in 2009, uh, those kids are now 10, 11, and 12 years old. And as those children grew older and as they entered into elementary age and then eventually student ministry, having a place where they could gather, having a place where they could bring their friends, somewhere that would be safe for them, but also gospel-oriented, would be more and more important. And so we began praying about what that would look like. We had no idea. Knowing the unique geography of Anchorage, if you've lived here more than a year, you know that we're waterlogged on two sides and we have mountains on the third. There's not a lot of new development. And we knew from the beginning, if we were going to have a permanent location, very likely we would have to either inherit something or we would at least have to be able to purchase land that held a different kind of building, tear it down, and rebuild. And that seemed like a very steep hill to climb. We weren't sure how or when we would be able to do that. So instead of focusing on that and having building campaign after building campaign, we decided to keep our eyes on the road, and we did our very best to try to be impactful and effective in Mountain View, where we were meeting. And we stayed there until March of 2020, and you know what happened then. As the coronavirus began to spread across the city, different members of our church and the medical community told us that the risk of gathering was too great, that we needed to take a break. So we tried to go online. Like many small churches at that stage, we had no online presence. We didn't know how to do that at all. So we're scrambling and trying to use cell phones and laptops and propping things up and taping them together and to just try to get online, to try to stay connected, to make sure that even as we went through that low point as a community, that our church was able to stay connected to each other. That was our hope, our intention. By June of 2020, we were able to meet back in person under very tight and specific circumstances at First Baptist Anchorage. Many of you may remember those services, 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. I don't know if anybody's here who was there then. We couldn't meet in the morning because First Baptist was nervous that we would contaminate all the seats and then all their members would die. And so we decided we would, we would take that for the team, right? We'll meet after them. And so we're the church plant, you know, it just kind of comes to the territory. There was a low point that I'll share with you. Some of you may not even know this because a lot of us had already gone online at that point and stayed online. But I remember towards the end of that run of 1 p.m. and 5 p.m. services, there was one particular Sunday where all of our staff left to go try to eat a bite and make it back in time to set up for the 5 p.m. service. And when we started at 5 p.m., there were eight people in the room. And five of us had to be there because we were getting paid. So there were three people who came to that service. I mean, we reached the point where I wasn't preaching from stage anymore. I would come down to the floor. We would try to move everybody together so that it was almost more of a Bible study feel. And I remember thinking to myself and even talking to our elders at that time, Ian and Scott Belmore, who was with us at that point, that this might be the deathbed of True North Church. Maybe this is how it ends. Maybe it's a call to be faithful until the end. And so we resolved. We couldn't control whether people would come or not. We decided we weren't going to make anybody feel guilty if they felt that they needed to be away throughout the pandemic, but that come hell or high water, we would lift up Jesus. And if that's the way we were going to die, that we would die the right way. And so at the end of that run, the end of July, you may remember in 2020, there was another lockdown. I think it was the second or third time that all gathering places had been closed. First Baptist was unwilling to allow us to meet, so we went back online for a month. And coming out of that transition, we were able to move to the 915 service. And praise the Lord, we rebounded pretty fast, attendance-wise. Giving was fine the whole entire time. God took care of that for us, so we didn't have to stress or worry. 
But we began praying in earnest as we decided that First Baptist would be where we would put our roots down in the short term, that maybe we would only have to move one more time. That if we could move one more time away from First Baptist, that that would be it for us. And we could be done with the trailers and the mobile locations and the different meeting times and all of the things that make it really hard to make a long-term impact in a community. If I can pull the curtain back a little bit further, and I'm not even sure all of our elders know this, so this will be, I think, really interesting to you. I had just personally in my prayer life a list of locations that I had been praying about since early in 2019 when I heard from those church members who said, we've got to find a way to be permanent or we're not going to survive. On that list, at the top, was actually First Baptist Anchorage, because at that point in 2020, we were already meeting there. They were without a pastor. They were in decline. We had even had some very early conversations about maybe merging together, and it just became obvious that it wasn't going to be the best thing for both churches. Third on my list is the old Cars grocery store that's across from the Penland Park mobile home in the Northway Mall. So if you're here and you're thinking about planning a church, that's where I would go. You can take that from me today. I still think it's a great location. Uh, it has the right amperage and wattage on plugs. We checked the whole thing out. It would be great. It wasn't God's plan. Number two on that list, three years ago, was Muldoon Road Baptist Church. And I had never been in this building before. The very first time I stepped foot in this building was to have a meeting to discuss a potential merger in the fall of 2021. But I knew the location was good. I knew that there weren't any churches really thriving over here. And therefore, I could assume that the people who lived in these homes were not being ministered to the way that they could be. I knew that the footprint was big, and I knew the legacy of this church by reputation, that in its heyday, it had made an immense eternal impact in the lives of thousands and thousands of people. And so we just kept praying. We kept praying. I shared that with a small group of people. Uh, Pastor Gary Motes at First Baptist and I do lunch every week, and about once a week, we would drive by this building, and we would pray about it, and we would pray about the old car's grocery store, and I would even pray with him about his church, because I thought, who knows what God's going to do? We just want to be open to it. And so when I got a phone call from Randy Covington, who's actually here with us today from the uh, Alaska Baptist Resource Network, and he said, hey, a person from Muldoon Road Baptist Church has reached out to me. They think they might be interested in a merger, but they don't know exactly what that would look like. Would you be willing to meet? I have to be honest, I had two strong emotions. Part of me was immediately anxious. I mean, I, I remember calling Ian and Scott and saying, I am so tired from trying to get established at First Baptist and figure out, can we have office space and can we store stuff there and what services can we do? I was just, I was like, let's just keep it how it is. It's good enough. And then another part of me thought this could be the beginning of something that I've been asking for. Not the timing that I wanted, not exactly the circumstances that I would have chosen, but how could I really say no to this? And so I kind of drug myself to the meeting. I was pleasantly surprised to meet Russ Mabry for the very first time at the Kaladi Brothers on Brayton. Randy was there with us. And I will never forget to my dying day that I knew, having had other merger conversations before, to not wait until the end to talk about the stuff that might not work. You don't want to do it that way. You don't want to talk about all the stuff that could be awesome and then wait till you're bought in and invested and then go, oh, by the way, we do X, Y, and Z and have the other person go, oh, we're out. We don't want to do that. So I tried to lead with the stuff that I thought might be the hardest to swallow. I said, look, philosophically, we're a little bit different than an established traditional Southern Baptist church, which I know very well. I come from that world. We have a few different ways, and we do things stylistically, and I went through and began to list just little things here and there, nothing doctrinal, nothing biblical, just preferences. And every time that I would list something off, Russ would sit there with his black cup of coffee, if you know Russ, right? He's always got, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for him. He's got his black coffee. He would sit there, and he was serious about it. He took his time, and then he would say, well... I don't think that's going to give us too much heartburn. That's how he said it. And then we'd move on to the next thing. He'd sit, he'd think about it. I don't think that's going to give us too much heartburn. And that remained his posture. If you don't know the church merger world, it's worth highlighting his particular role in that process. You need a man of peace. 
You need someone when a church has become unstable and is suffering. You need someone who has been loyal and who is safe and trustworthy. Even if everybody doesn't necessarily agree with that individual, they know that that person has integrity. And Russ was that for us a year ago. As much as we ought to honor the people who've invested time and energy and resources into renovating this space, the merger itself, the marrying of two churches, a almost impossible thing because people are people and it's hard, couldn't have happened without Russ's attitude and humility. And so we met in August. Uh, it was actually, I don't know if you know this or not, it was August 12th of 2021 at 10 a.m. was our meeting. I looked it up yesterday on my calendar. And about a month from there, we had our first encounter with Muldoon Road Baptist Church together. I came over, I think a few of our leaders came, I was able to preach a little bit, and we began discussing what a merger could look like. Russ presented in a business meeting four possible ways forward, and then recommended the one that the church pursue be a merger, finding a way to marry two congregations into one. Within a month of that meeting, Muldoon Road Baptist Church voted to extend an offer of merger, that's October the 10th of 2021, and True North Church voted to accept that merger on December the 2nd. And at that point, the two churches became one. Through the next spring, spring of this year, we met many times as a church, lots of business meetings. You probably felt like we met too much. That's okay. We wanted to give you a chance to speak up and hear what we were doing. We talked about lots of things. We voted on budgets. We voted on use of space. We installed new elders. We continued to meet in two locations as one church. And then in May, as I told you earlier, Felix and Sandy joined us. And by mid-July, Felix had taken the helm of all projects and contracts in order to help us achieve today. This has been the objective from the beginning. Three mission teams joined us over the summer. By my estimation, probably did somewhere in the range of fifty dollars to $100,000 worth of labor for us for totally free and did it well. Most of the finished work in this room was done by volunteers who flew on their own dime up here to do this work for us because they believe in God's kingdom that much. We did hit a major snag in the summer related to the stage. That's why we don't have a stage. Uh, the municipality was not going to let us move forward with the rest of the project, and so we came back to them after lots of meetings and said, what if we just tear the stage out? And they said, that's fine. Uh, we'll just kind of, in our red marker, write over our old notes that everything's okay and you guys can move forward. And so we had to embrace that and roll with it. The new ceiling went in, the chairs arrived, everything got a new coat of paint, new lighting was installed, a cry room and a storage area were built, the old radio broadcast booth was torn out for the sake of more seats, and the floor was redone in finished concrete, or I should say it will be tomorrow, redone in finished concrete. It's almost done today, we're almost there. And that's not to mention the renovated offices, the brand new kids' classrooms, our overhauled fellowship hall, which we now call the summit room, and the facelift that the Welcome Center received. And so now, here we are. This is it. So what happens next? Well, anything could happen, right? The sky's the limit. For months and months, probably since the first day that I stepped foot in this building, the possibilities have seemed unlimited to me. Outreach events, potentially meals for our homeless neighbors, toddler playtime during the week for moms who are stuck at home with young kids, kids camp in the summer. Church planting will start and happen in this building and go out across our city and our state. Missionary training, Bible studies, life groups teaching and preaching of God's word, counseling and prayer and worship. Baptisms will happen in this room. Communion will happen in this room. Laughter and tears, high highs and low lows, weddings and funerals and everything in between. This building will hold the good and the bad and the ugly of daily life with God, and he will be with us every step of the way. Now, I can't see the future completely. I can see the possibilities. And as I've talked to some of you today, I've seen that glimmer in your eye that you can too. The future's beginning to clarify for you and you're more excited than ever. I've heard it in your voices. I've seen it on your faces. But here's the bottom line, church. Life will happen in this building. 
That is God's commitment to us because we are his church regardless of what street address we use or what roof is over our heads. Life will happen here and life will begin here for those who are dead in in their spirit. Life will continue for those who've been far from God. Many will end their spiritual journeys here. This will be the last chapter of their lives of faithfulness and mentoring and speaking the truth in love. That will be the things that mark this space because those will be the things that mark us, the people who use this space. Here's my commitment to you. Today, the first day that we meet in this room, gathered together for God's purposes, no matter what we do, no matter how we change, whether we grow or shrink, what happens here will be about Jesus. That's the promise. It's the only promise I can make you. Because at True North Church, it is all about Jesus, and it always will be. So here is Jesus' message. This is it. The good news of Jesus is very simple. That you can change. Change is possible for you, whether you believe that or not. God has built you to be a person who can change, but you'll never do it on your own. Only Jesus can do it, and he will. He's very, very good at it. He's done it successfully in the lives of many of the people in this room, and if he hasn't done it for you yet, or you've not asked him to do that yet, it can begin today. That's the simple heartbeat of what it means to be a part of this church. So I want to follow Ian's lead and leave you with just two quick verses. I know you don't have time to turn there in your Bible. If you'll just catch these words, I'll read it slowly. This is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Roman church. Chapter 5, he says this. Because, brothers and sisters, you and I have been justified. There's a church word for you. You can think redeemed, healed, reconciled, fixed. Because we have been fixed. The things that were wrong between us and God have been fixed, not by what we've done, but by faith. That we have said in our hearts, it seems too good to be true, but I believe. In as much as I can, with the muscles of my interior life, God, I am I'm on board as much as I can be. Because that is true, we have peace with God, a thing that may feel impossible to you today. Paul says it's available, peace with God, but only through our Lord, who is Jesus Christ. Through Jesus, we have not obtained just peace with God, but by faith, we have access to his grace. So not just that he's cleared the air, but that there is a standing promise for us that forgiveness is ever available to you and I, over and over and over again, perpetually. Because no matter how much Jesus changes you, you're still going to get it wrong sometimes. And the good news is he's still right there. He loves you the same. He's already paid the price. So here's the result, the end of verse 2. We rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We believe that because God is who he says he is, he will keep his promises, he will finish what he starts, and he will do for us what he has done for all Christians in all of time. He will heal us, and then he will send us. And we will find people who need healing, and he will heal them. And that will repeat until God calls us home. And that is what this building is about. That is what this church is about. It started 10 years ago. You could argue it started thousands of years ago with Jesus himself. I think so. But for the next chapter of the life of this church, for us, it starts today. So I want to pray that for you. We're going to sing. We'll pick our kids up, and then you guys can take pictures, mill around the building, have a good time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and your commitment to your church. We believe, God, that by being your bride, a lot of responsibility falls on our shoulders. Not to be perfect and not to get it right, God, but to be committed to you. So I hope today, maybe, we can follow the lead of this building and we can, in a sense, allow ourselves to be renovated. Maybe today is just step one. Maybe it's just a chance, having been in a church for the first time in a long time, to walk around the rooms of our interior life and say to ourselves, that's not going very well. That seems like it could use some attention. That's been stuck right there for a long time and I don't know how to get over it. I pray, God, that before you give us any conviction to try to change ourselves, before you give us some great vision to go out and change the world, that you would give us the faith first, God, to change our attitude and to just open ourselves, to be willing to trust you and to wait until you begin to move. 
We love you, Father. We trust you. We're so grateful to gather today in your name. And as we sing one last song, Lord, may our worship honor you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.